what pops in your mind when I say the word jock? Strength, athleticism, power, speed, popularity, vanity. Uh, likes to be the center of attention, uh, likes to have a good time, and maybe sometimes even a little not so smart, right? I know that all these are just words that play into the jock stereotype, but they're actually pretty accurate words to describe an Israelite born around 1100 B.C. named Samson, perhaps the strongest man who ever lived. Samson was born with an incredible purpose from God. At the time, Israel was a fairly young nation, and they had never even had a king yet. And the Israelites got into these decades and centuries-long cycles of turning away from God and his ways, and they would get conquered by surrounding countries each time they did. Um, and, but each time that that happened, they would call out to God and beg for his forgiveness and ask for help and commit to turning back to him. And when they did, God would appoint what was called a judge or a person to lead the people either spiritually back to him or militarily out of bondage. And Samson was ordained by God before birth to be a judge to the Israelites against the Philistines, a neighboring nation that the Israelites had long been at war with. So Samson was born with incredible strength, and he had some amazing moments in his life. One time he kills a lion with his bare hands, and another time in battle he defeats a thousand Philistines, and his weapon is the jawbone of a donkey. And yet another time... Uh, He rips a city gate out of the ground that weighs an approximate four to ten tons, and he carries it 36 miles away, uphill. I mean, if this guy was alive today, can you imagine his Instagram? Seriously, he would be an athlete, he would be a celebrity, he would be one of the most famous people in the world. Now, there was one key to Samson's great strength, though, his hair. He must never in his life cut his hair or else his strength would be taken from him. I know to modern Americans that sounds a little mythical or mystical, but you see, not to the Jews at the time. Also before Samson's birth, an angel declared to Samson's mother that he was to be raised as a Nazarite, which simply just means to be set apart for God. Nazarites committed to living their lives by a certain set of rules, and one such rule was to never cut their hair. Now here's one problem when it comes to Samson. Maybe Samson really wanted to help his people as a judge. And maybe Samson loved God and wanted to follow him completely as a Nazarite. But Samson, like many other athletes and celebrities, cared more about fulfilling his own desires than he did those things. In his life, he's often driven by extreme emotions like anger and revenge, and he makes a lot of foolish decisions, especially when it comes to women. Samson's life story is told in just three chapters of the Bible, and in that short amount, three different women are mentioned, and he has consequences as a result of being with each one of them. The third woman mentioned is named Delilah, a name that actually means faithless one. So there's your first sign, right? Uh, Samson falls completely in love with Delilah, and unfortunately, the lords of the Philistines knew this, and they offer her silver that equates to about $90,000 today to find the source of Samson's great strength so they could subdue him. Now we come to a fairly regrettable moment in Samson's life. On three nights that he's with Delilah, she begs him to tell her this, uh, the source to his great strength. And each time he makes up something kind of silly, like I have to be bound by brand new unused ropes and all my strength will be taken away. But on each one of those nights, that very silly thing that he makes up ends up happening to him. And to make matters worse, Delilah doesn't even deny her role in this. She actually fusses at Samson for making her look like a fool in front of the Philistines. If you're like me, it's really easy to poke poke fun at Samson for things like this. But 
In the story, you see how much power his desires have over him and how much pressure that fulfilling them puts on him. Delilah tries to get his secret a fourth time, and this time, here is how the Bible puts the pressure she puts on him. It says she prodded him day after day until he was tired to death. Tired to death. That's a lot of pressure put on him. Unfortunately, this time, Samson caves into the pressure. He doesn't lean into God when the pressure comes, and he doesn't seek God when he's making decisions in the first place. The Philistines cut his hair, and his strength is taken from him. They gouge out his eyes and make him work as a slave. Samson, a judge, a Nazarite, maybe the strongest man who ever lived, is now in chains grinding grain for the enemy. Samson's story has a famous ending. Uh, 3,000 of the most important Philistines in the empire get together at a party, and they bring Samson out to mock him. Samson puts his hands on the pillars of the temple they're in, and God returns his strength one last time, and he knocks out the pillars bringing down the roof and killing all 3,000 Philistines and himself. It's an epic end to his story, no doubt. But sadly, Samson was called by God to be a judge who could subdue the Philistines, yet he was a man who could not subdue his own desires. And instead of a Nazarite who relied on God in pressure-filled situations, he caved into pressure when it would meet his appetites. Good morning. I'm Thad Lanthrop, the executive pastor here at CIV, and what a story we just heard about Samson. This story, it it reminds me of something that I I loved to watch growing up, world's strongest man competitions. There was just something about that, the guys just grunting, throwing boulders around and it, it was just uh, fascinating to watch. My favorite guy was Magnus Ver Magnuson from Iceland. This is him. He was the man. World's strongest man in 1991, 1994, 1995, 1996. He would pull fire trucks. He'd pick up 220, 300-pound stones and placing them on chest-high walls. Flipping over cars multiple times. Amazing stuff. If there was Instagram back then, he would have had a good one. These men in this competition were putting their bodies under just immense pressure. And sometimes their bodies would fail them. They, they would have to bow out of the competition. They couldn't go on. And today we're talking about pressure and how that impacts our decisions. Samson, the strongest man in the world, maybe the strongest man there ever was, he couldn't hold up to the pressure that was put on him. We all have pressure in our life. It's just inevitable. We all feel the crunch of trying to make progress and trying to get ahead, the pressure to just keep our heads above water as we have all these things to do, the demands of those around us, maybe a boss, a family member, or a friend, the expectations that we have on ourselves, all of these things are pressure on us. Because there's a lot of pressure in life, there's a lot of quotes about pressure. 
And I heard this one from Jim Gaffigan. It says, you know what it's like having five kids? Imagine you're drowning and someone hands you a baby. <laughs> Pretty good quote. I think that that sounds about right, just for one kid, too. Um, <clears throat> but there's also other inspirational quotes, like, pressure can burst a pipe, but also makes diamonds. It's deep right there, just, just motivating, and, unless you're feeling like a burst pipe. And then it's not as motivating. And then there's also this demotivator poster. Pressure, it can turn a lump of coal into a flawless diamond or an average person into a perfect basket case. I know I've felt that way before. Pressure's normal. And it can be something that God uses to grow us if we respond rightly to it. But like this quote, responding the wrong way to pressure, it it can just distort our thinking. We can't think clearly. And when we have to make good decisions, it's we need to be able to think clearly. The pressure that we're talking about this morning and we saw in Samson's story is it's twofold. There's an external pressure that's put on us by outside people or circumstances or marketing even. There's also an internal pressure. You ever wanted something really bad and you just had so much pressure inside to you, you had to make it happen. You had to, to get it done. We can be really impulsive, right? With technology, we can make bad decisions like that. We're one, if you set up the one click purchase, you can make a bad decision with just one click of the button. Take a look at this clip from Confessions of a Shopaholic. The main character literally put her credit cards in ice because she was making bad decisions with the pressure inside to just go make a purchase. Take a look at this. What a good picture of the internal pressure that we feel sometimes to make something happen. We have pressure to get more, which leads to spending more. We have pressure to look good, which leads to making other people look bad. Or we have pressure to have it all together, which leads us just to kind of be fake around people who care about us. And that's just on what's inside of us. What about the pressure from others? There are people that have a plan for our lives, and their plan for us isn't necessarily God's plan for us. They want us to make them happy, not God happy. The advice that they give or the way that they treat us can impact us to make a bad decision like we saw in the story with Samson. But here's the deal. When it comes to decision-making process, Giving in to pressure derails our progress and diminishes our purpose. When we give in to the pressure to get what we want, or when we give in to the pressure to give others what they want, we lose sight of God's best for us. God's best is for us to know him, 
to do his will, to live life his way. When we make decisions under the wrong type of pressure that's fueled by wrong desires, intentions, and motives, we get cooked by that pressure. Take a look at this kitchen after their pressure cooker exploded. Guarantee that's not what they were wanting to happen there. That wasn't what dinner was supposed to be. An entree with a side of kitchen remodel was not on the menu that night. But this is what pressure can do to us when we make decisions. Our decisions can just explode in our face if we don't handle the pressure well. It doesn't matter how strong we think we are. Our weakness in the face of pressure can take us down like we saw with Samson. So let's learn from that story that we heard. Three ways Samson gave in to pressure. First one is he caved into his selfish desires. On multiple occasions, Samson lost the internal battle with his own selfish desires. And for for him, it was primarily lust for women. Samson's father advised him against marrying this Philistine woman, to which Samson replied, this is a big lesson for us, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. That's a terrible basis for a decision. This is like getting an inspection report on a house that you're going to buy and the the foundation has problems that can't easily be fixed and you say, yeah, I see those facts, but I want it. But I want it is actually a a battle that goes on in my mind whenever I go out to a restaurant and I see the salad and I think I really should have the salad. I see the double cheeseburger, but I want the double cheeseburger. That's a little little insight to my internal pressure that I face um, when I go out. But just because we want something doesn't mean it's right or it's good for us to have it. Selfishness like this just comes built in to to us from the get-go. None of us are immune to selfishness. Proverbs 22:15 says folly is bound up in the heart of a child. The pressure that this builds from within can distort our view of reality and lead us to making really bad decisions. We all must figure out how to protect from this pressure if we want to be shielded from the damage that caving into our selfishness or our lust or our desires can do. Can you identify anything in your life right now you're thinking, that's right in my eyes. Maybe it's a purchase that you're looking to make or maybe a situation at work where the the pressure is, is heating up or in your relationships you think that something's right, but it might cause damage to those around you. Think about that. Try to identify anything that you're thinking, that's right in my eyes. And talk to somebody about it. See if it really is a good thing to do. The second way that Samson gave into pressure was he caved into the pressure to please Delilah. The pressure of of selfishness comes from within. But pressure from others is another powerful source. For many of us, it's even more powerful than the pressure from within. 
Delilah was the third woman Samson got infatuated with. And she had a real motive for his destruction, like we heard about in the story. She was getting paid the equivalent of $90,000 to bring him down. And Samson somehow just completely oblivious to it, completely blinded to what she was trying to do. And Brad mentioned this in his story, but look at Judges 16, 16. It says, and when she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. Now, vexed to death, that sounds pretty dramatic. But another translation, this part of the Bible was originally written in Hebrew. And so there's other translations. One says annoyed to death. Another one says she nagged him until he was tired to death. His desire for her, plus the pressure that she brought on him, were enough to topple the strongest man in the world. He revealed his secret, which turned out to be the bad decision that led to his death. You and I were probably no stronger than Samson. The pressure to please others can be intensely powerful against even our best senses. And shortly after telling Delilah where his strength comes from, she hands him over to his enemies. They, they blind him by taking his eyes out, and he's forced into manual labor as a, as a slave. Caving into the pressure derailed all the progress Samson was making in his life. And it diminished his purpose to be spent as a captive to his enemies. Samson caved into the internal pressure and then the external pressure. But one other thing we can learn from this is that he lost sight of his purpose. From birth, Samson had a clear purpose from God. In fact, an angel from God told his parents in Judges 13, 7, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Now then, drink no wine or other fermented drink and do not eat anything unclean because the boy will be a Nazarite of God from birth until the day of his death. Being a Nazarite it simply meant Samson would be set aside to do a special task for God. You and I, we can relate to this as well. Ephesians 2.10 says that those who follow Jesus Christ are created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for them to do. As followers of Jesus, we have a great purpose. God may not have sent an angel to your parents before your birth, but because of Jesus, we not only have great hope, but we have a great purpose to live for. Purpose can be a tremendous tool in our life. It's motivating to live for something greater than ourselves. And it can provide clear direction when we make decisions. Samson knew of this purpose in his life, but somewhere along the way, he lost sight of that purpose. And the internal and the external pressure in life blurred his vision on his purpose. When we lose sight of our purpose in life, the fact that we have value as a person because we're made in God's image, when we lose sight of the mission that God invites us into, then it's easy to fall into traps as Samson did. 
Moving through life without reference to a higher vision can pull us off track. And our life trajectory can be set by bad decisions, taking us way off course of the purpose that God has given for us. Before he was born, God said Samson would save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. But he gave in to the pressures, following his selfish desires, caving into the pressures of others, and losing sight of the God-given purpose that was given to him. I can imagine Samson grinding in the mill, blinded by his enemies, and only able to rehearse in his mind the poor decisions that he had made. What regret for those bad decisions he must have been feeling. But the amazing thing is, God still accomplished what he wanted to accomplish through Samson's life. And that gives us all hope. Maybe you've caved into the pressure in life and, and made some, some bad decisions. You're dealing with the consequences from that. But God wants to give you hope in those situations. He wants to protect you from the pressures in the future. He wants you to learn from it and grow closer to him as a result of whatever you're going through. That gives us a lot of purpose and meaning, even if we're dealing with some consequences. So let's shift, moving from learning what, uh, what we can from the story to what else we can see in the Bible and how God wants to protect us from the pressure as it comes in so that we don't give in to it. So pr- protection from the pressure comes as we fear God instead of people. We don't see all that was going on in Samson's mind when he caved into the pressure from Delilah, but she had just betrayed him two times. I mean, you could see it coming. And he still gave in and told her the truth about where his strength was coming from. He feared Delilah and losing his relationship with her more than he feared God and wanting to do what was going to please him. It cost him everything. Fearing man exposes us to that person's desires. It exposes us to their view of the world. It exposes us to their discernment. But fearing God protects us from all of those things because it places God's desires ahead of others that are trying to go against what he's saying. Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Now, fear of the Lord is is just, you take God seriously enough to obey Him. That's what it means. To fear the Lord, you take God seriously enough to obey Him. The wise person applies the Bible to their life because they know that it doesn't get any better than God's best. In my life. But that just doesn't happen overnight. You can't just come here and hear a sermon. Okay, fear the Lord, not people. Got it. Moving on. It doesn't just happen overnight. That's not how it works. Fear of the Lord comes as you get to know God. And one of the ways that you get to know God is by reading the Bible and applying it to your life. 
Yesterday, I, I was just struggling with my attitude. I wasn't feeling that great, and um, I, honestly, I, I, maybe I lost sight of my purpose in life. I don't know. I just didn't want to do anything, and I, I'm, I'm sure nobody's ever felt like that before. But I, I, just, I just didn't want to do anything, and I, I was just really, you know, sulking. I was, I was just inside my own head and just just kind of sulking. But I remembered that the Bible says that he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. I was seeking refreshment and resting and trying to just be by myself away from everybody who I felt like was was bugging me. So what I did was I just got up and I started looking for ways to help. I wasn't feeling good, but looking for ways that I could help, started doing some dishes, and my attitude got better. It was amazing. You see, it's as you trust what the Bible says and apply it to your life. Take God seriously enough to do what it says that he, you can trust in him. You, you see that it's true. It's real in your life. And you can start to trust him with bigger and bigger parts of your life. And he will come through for you as you do that. Another way to find protection from the pressure is to turn to God from, for help. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, look at the help that, I mean, look at the help that God gives us when we feel the pressure um, to do things apart from God. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, no pressure has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. This truth has helped me in so many situations. When we feel like the pressure is too much on us to do life God's way, it's really not reality. It's not the case. So a practical way to turn to God when we feel just the pressure bearing down on us is just a prayer, a simple prayer. Just say, God... I don't see a way out of this, a way out of this situation to do it your way. Help me to find the way, because you promise there's a way out. Help me to find the way out to do things your way. And God will help you. Sometimes you might see it right away. Other times God might lead you to talk to some people, get some advice, which help you to see the way out. But as you turn to him, He's going to help you to resist the pressure you're feeling. And then protection from the pressure comes as we choose our associates well. Proverbs 13.20 says, Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. I've heard for a long time, as long as I can remember, pick your friends, pick your future. That's what this verse is talking about, but it goes beyond just your friends. It says, choose your associates. So associates have an impact on our life. Choose them carefully, whether it's a friend or someone you're going to go into business with or someone that you've made a hero. Choose them carefully. The people around us influence us. And so we're cautioned here to choose them well. A practical step to take in this area um, is just to, to ask the question, who am I associated with right now? 
Who do I spend the most time with in my free time? If you have any free time. Who do you relate to at work or at school? Who's having an impact on your life? Are they leading you in the direction, the right direction? It's funny, as I was preparing this message or getting, I I was preparing it before this morning, but while I was getting ready this morning, I don't want you to think I just threw it together this morning, but as I was getting ready for the message this morning, my wife sent me a, a text that our tire pressure light is on. I thought, oh, that's appropriate. I'm talking about pressure this morning. And I, I started to think about it. And in our cars, this light comes on frequently. Sometimes it's a problem. Other times it's not. And there are questions that I, I think to ask when the light comes on, like, Did you walk around the car? Do you notice any of the tires low? Can you just see that any of them are low? Or can you see a nail in the tire? Now, that's about as far as my car maintenance goes. So those are really the only two questions that I can think of because anything else is going to require more skill than I can, than I can uh, give in the situation. But if we ignore that light, it can cause real damage to my family if it blows out on the freeway. And as I wrap up the message this morning, I want to encourage you to use pressure in your life as a warning light. Think of the exclamation mark with the parentheses and the little squiggly lines. I wish I had a picture of it. I don't know why that is a tire pressure sign. I have not figured it out yet. Maybe the parentheses are the tire. It just, it just went off. I, I, okay, I know how, what the light is now. So the tire, with the, it's low in the middle. Okay, all right. Um, glad I could figure that out in front of everybody. But use pressure in your life as a warning signal to you. Sometimes it might not be a problem. It might be normal pressure that you're facing. But other times, it might be un, un, undue pressure that, that's going to lead you down a path That's not where you want to go. But when you're feeling pressure, think to ask questions. Identify the source. Where's the pressure coming from? Is it coming from desires inside of me? Is it coming from others who are trying to get me to do what they want? Or is it coming really from a desire that I want to do what God says, but I don't know how to do that in this situation? Where are you feeling the pressure? Identify that source. Set your heart to fear God and not men. Ask the right people for advice and make a good decision. Imagine what life would be like if you choose God's way consistently. That's what we've been talking about in this series. Use the pressure in your life to fuel you towards good decisions, not bad decisions. And stay on track with God and the purpose that he has made for you. Each week, we like to encourage people to take a next step in response to the message. And they're on the handout in your program. And I'd like to just highlight a couple of these next steps for you um, that you might want to take in response. You might have a different next step, and that's fine as well. But the first next step that I would like to highlight for you is to read a proverb a day This week and apply it to my life. 
Last week, Matt mentioned that there's a book in the Bible named Proverbs, and there's 31 chapters in there. You could read one, one a day throughout the, throughout the month. Read it and apply it to your life. Find something. The verse I, that I mentioned about refreshing others, that's found in Proverbs. If you don't have a Bible, download the Bible app on your phone and spend some time reading it this week. And just each day, try to pick one thing to apply. Another next step is to choose my associates well by joining a group or a team here at Church in the Valley. Maybe you're ready for that next step. Maybe maybe you're not, but encourage you. Get around people who are going to encourage you to make wise decisions, encourage you to, to do the right things. And then the last next step on there is just fill in the blank. Maybe there's a different way that God has spoken to you this morning. You want to take a next step with that. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you're there for us to help us resist the pressure. We can turn to you and ask for your help, and you promise to give us the help we need to do things the right way and not cave in um, and, and experience the damage that comes from that. We ask for your help to have the protection from the pre- pressure by fearing you, by choosing our associates well. And just we ask that you would help us to do that, Lord. Help us this week to take your Bible and apply it to our lives and, and begin to fear you more and more. In Jesus' name, amen.